For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. I don't know about you, but I love Christmas time. Hope, joy, peace, excitement, everything in between. This evening we're going to be talking about a wonderful man named Elijah. Little quick thing about Elijah. When I was doing vacation Bible school a while back, I had to uh, tell this exact story that I'm going to share with you tonight. Um, I had just been asked to become children's pastor and and I was like, I don't think I can do that, God. And uh, it was through this story that he thumped me on the head and said, oh, yes, you can. And um, that was a long time ago. Golly, it's been eight years. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about courage, but also battles. You know, when you go to battle, you have to have courage. And the battles that I'm going to be talking about tonight are the benefits of a of obedience versus the consequences of sin. And that's a big battle that we all face every day. Okay, our main characters or people that we will hear tonight are God and Baal, Ahab and Elijah. And battles have been around since Adam and Eve. We know that. You know, temptation, jealousies, arrogance, pride all battling for attention to keep the heart, mind, and soul from being what God intends. You hear that again. Temptation, jealousy, arrogance, pride. They all battle to keep our hearts from God. This evening, we're going to talk about the battles, as I said, the benefits of obedience and the consequences of sin. Now, Elijah was sent to keep the kings level-headed. And he was trying to have them understand that when you trust and obey the Lord and not the false gods, lies Baal, there would be benefits. But if you wanted to trust in a false god as Baal, there are going to be consequences. And that was his job to try to tell all these kings, this is what you need to do. God sent Elijah, by the way. It wasn't just Elijah, hey, let me go do this. God sent Elijah. The key people, as I said, God, Elijah, Obadiah, Ahab, Jezebel, Baal, and the people. Now, have you ever tried to live a double life? You know, think of Superman and Clark Kent. Okay. Clark Kent did everything he could to hide his identity as Superman. The nerdy newspaper guy versus the hero. And you can imagine the frustration that he had. 
trying to keep those identities, you know, one, as one. Well, you know, as sinners, we do the same thing. We try to hide our sin. We want to be this person. And then later on, we want to be this person. And we ultimately, we get frustrated, we get worn out. And that's kind of like what King Ahab was doing. But eventually he turned completely to the dark side. Throw a little Star Wars in there for you. (laughs) And that's why God sent Elisha to help King Ahab understand that when we obey God, there are benefits and consequences when you call out to a God like Baal. Apparently, thousands of years later, we're still doing the same thing. We still battle ignorance, myself included. So we're going to be taking a look at 1 Kings chapter 18. And while you turn there, um, that will be our focal passage tonight. I want to give some back details leading up to chapter 18. Okay, some backstories so that you can completely understand all that led up to this. Okay. King Ahab had become king of Israel. And that's according to uh, 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 30 through 33. And I'd like for you to just listen as I read these, okay? This comes from 1 Kings 16, 30 through 33. And it says, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, but he also married Jezebel, okay, daughter of a king. He began to serve Baal and worship him. Ahab also made an Azariah pole, and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord than any other person. The God of Israel, he was trying to anger him, and he did all of that better than the kings before himself. He wanted to arouse the anger of God. I think he did a good job of it too, as we're going to hear. But Ahab had begun serving Baal. Now, Baal was a god of fertility, not of of children, and we want to uh, procreate and have more children, but the god of fertility for the land, for dew and rain. And Ahab was relying on Baal to keep that land rich and prosperous so that everyone would think that, oh, he's a great king, he's calling out to Baal, Baal is providing for us, and keep trying to turn those people to the false god instead of the one who creates the dew, and the rain. And in chapter 17, we learn about Elijah. Straight off in verse 1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel is, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. He's telling Ahab, this is coming from God through me to you. And buddy, you better listen. Ahab, of course, wanted to turn that proverbial deaf ear. And the cliff note, I think some of you may remember cliff notes from high school. 
from chapter 17 to get us to chapter 18 real quick. God tells Elijah to go east and drink from a brook. And ravens will come feed you daily. In other words, I'm going to provide all of your needs. Now, Elijah was obedient. And he did that. And he had benefits. He was taken care of completely. Now, I'm not sure what ravens would bring Elijah to eat. It might not be the most desired meal. But it was provided for Eventually, that brook dries up, and it becomes dry because, oh, there's no rain, there's no dew, there's nothing going on there. So God tells Elijah, I want you to get up, and you're going to go to Zarephath, and there will be a woman there, a widow, who will take care of you. Again, okay, I'm going to do it. You told me to. You've taken care of me so far. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go. And when he got to the widow, the widow said, look, I don't have any flour. I have no oil. And Elijah said, now listen, I, I just need you to understand. I'm telling you, this is coming from God. And I'm telling you, go home and make me some food. And I'll be okay. And she got home. She dipped her hand in those jars. And she never ran out. She was obedient. The benefits came. Now over time, her son fell sick, and eventually he died. And she got really mad at Elisha. She got really, really angry with him. And in verse 24 of chapter 17, right before we get to chapter 18, the woman said to Elisha, Now I know that you are a man of God. And here's why. Because Elijah was so obedient to God. He knew that God was going to take care of him. He took the boy upstairs and he cried out to God. And he said, all right, Lord, I've done everything. And I know you are God. And I need you to bring this boy back to life. I need you to just help me out here so that we can show just how mighty and awesome you are. So after doing all this, and again in 24, then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is from your mouth is the truth because her son had been revived. And she realized, oh, wow, you are from God. She realized that obedience has benefits. And this brings us to chapter 18. Now, three years had passed, and the Lord, God, tells Elijah, it's time for you to go to Ahab. Now, remember, he had already told, Elijah had told Ahab, hey, this, it, it's going to be dry. You're going to go through a drought. There's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any dew. Everything's going to happen. And you can only imagine how very upset Ahab would become with Elijah saying, you caused this. I don't like you. You caused all of this. We've got things dying out. Food is sparse. Animals are starting to die out because we don't have any fresh grass to feed them. So he's going to be pretty upset. And now God is, tells Elijah, hey, it's time for you to go find Ahab. And I'm sure Elijah was like, oh boy. 
Here comes the biggest confrontation of my entire life. This man, this king, is going to be mad at me. There's another person involved in all of this. Obadiah. Verse 3 of chapter 18. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. A devout believer. And while Jezebel was off killing the Lord's prophets, Obadiah, being obedient, took the prophets of the Lord and he hid them in two caves. 50 and 50. And he provided everything that they needed as they were hiding out. Obedience. Those benefits. But Ahab had told Obadiah, I want you to go this way, I'm going to go this way, and we're going to go try to find some green grass because our animals need some green grass so that they can become healthy and we have that life cycle. Our animals are healthy, we can get our milk from cows, we can get our meat, etc. He's trying everything. Kind of feel like Ahab was probably like a, a minnow in a flash flood. He was starting to swim for his life. Going, my kingdom is going down and I've got to do something. So they go out their separate ways. And while walking, Obadiah encounters Elijah. Now, listen to verses 8 through 15. I'm going to try to read these. Chapter 18, 1 Kings. Yes, he replied. Go tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here? I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he's going to kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel's was killing the prophets of the Lord? I had hundreds of Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 and 50. I supplied them with food and water. And now you want me to go tell my master and say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Obadiah is trying desperately to say, are you really sure you want me to go tell Ahab this? You know, in verse 15, Elijah says, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. He's reassuring Obadiah, I know that Ahab has sent many people out to look for me. God has protected me to keep me away from those people. And it's all to prove this point that God is God. And he's telling him, Obadiah, it's time. Just go tell Ahab, and I promise I'm going to be there. Now I'm sure Obadiah, okay, I'm going to go do this. 
probably scared, but he had courage. And he had courage because he knows that obedience equals benefits. And he knows there's going to be blessings. So Elijah and Ahab, they meet up. And in verse 18, it says, um, after they meet up, you know, Elijah uh, confronts him and Ahab says, man, you're a troublemaker. You have caused so much grief for my people. Okay, that was verse 16, verse 17, and then 18. He says, I have not made trouble for Israel. You and your father's family have. You abandoned the Lord's commands and you started following Baal. He says, now, I want you to summon all your people. I want you to get them together, all of your prophets, all 450 of them. And I, by the way, go ahead and get the other 400 of Jezebel's prophets. Bring your people together. Because Elijah was ready to show up and to show all the people just how mighty his God is. And it wasn't just his God, it's our God. I love that he points out in verse 22. I love this. Verse 22, he says, I want you to get two bulls. Let me back up, sorry. He says, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. He says, I'm one. I'm one. I'm just letting you know that. You may have your 450, but I'm one. In verse 23, Elijah tells them, go get two bulls ready for the sacrifice. But, put them all there, but you're not to have any fire. No fire whatsoever. And we're going to see which God answers. Your Baal or my God. And whoever answers is the one true God. Now, everybody agreed to that. You know, I can see that. Everybody agrees to this. Everybody, okay, yeah, you should go ahead, yes, in the background. All right, we're all good. Everybody knows whoever answers, whoever shows up and shows out is the one true God. All right, so all the people agreed. Now, I truly wonder if Elijah wasn't smirking just a little bit. <laughs> you know, maybe hiding behind his hand and kind of going, you're kind of a big surprise coming, buddy. Because he knows how mighty and awesome his God is. He's been through it for the past three and a half years. He's been provided for. He's been taken care of. He's even proved it to a widow who his son, her son, came back to life. God took care of every step of the way. He knows my God is mighty, and you're fixing to find out. And I can't wait. I can't wait. And I have all these visuals as we continue the story. Try to think of Elijah and his little smirk. But I think it was there. I think it was there. So all of the 450 were told to get a hold of Baal. Call him out. Call him by name. Come on, Baal, bring the fire. They shouted. They shouted loudly. They danced around. They even cut themselves so they could scream in anguish louder and louder. And I love what Elijah says. He says, why don't you cry out a little louder? He's probably busy. (laughs) 
Come on, a little louder. He can't hear you. He's too busy taking care of other things. Finally, Elijah had had enough of it. He, just, he was just like, okay, look, guys, just stand back. Go take a break. Go heal yourself. But get ready and watch. I kind of think of somebody getting on a high dive, getting ready to do a you know, triple flip dive, 10-point dive. And it's like, just watch. So Elijah, he repairs um, the altar. And then he took 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of the son of Jacob. Still keeping up with what God has taught him and what he's believed all these years. He made a trench even around the altar. Okay, kind of like a moat. And he put the bull in place. But then he did something pretty amazing. He did something to make the impossible possible. He got some jars of all things and he filled them up with water. Not once, not twice, not even three times, but four times. And he said, just keep pouring that water on there. Keep pouring the water on that altar. The water ran out into the trenches and actually out of the trenches. That's how much water was there. You can imagine the wood was completely soaked. Now, as a science teacher, I know that wet wood is not going to burn. Some of you like to go camping and you know that wet wood's not going to burn. But it wasn't impossible for Elijah. I love it. Listen to verse 36 and 37 of chapter 18. 36 and 37. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. Elijah had to cry out one time. One time. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, the soil, also it licked up all the water in the trenches. And when all the people saw this, they fell and they cried out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal and don't let anyone get away. They seized them and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and he slaughtered them there. Now I know that's brutal, but it was, it was necessary. And then verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat, drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel. 
He bent down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Elijah knew. Elijah knew that those 450 prophets of Baal couldn't do anything, but he knew his God could do it. Think about that. They wore themselves out trying to get the attention of their God. They wore themselves out, even to the point, like I said, as they were cutting themselves, trying to cry out, hey, God, can you look at me, look at me. Without a devout man, Elijah, devout man of God, obedient man of God, cried out once to our mighty God, and he showed up and he answered. Let me ask you something. When you cry out to God, do you have to keep crying out and keep crying out? No, you don't. Many years ago, I heard someone describe a game of tennis or playing ball with a small child as, you know, you hit the ball back and forth and and you throw a ball to a child and you want to play. And then if the tennis player doesn't return it, maybe they just let it bounce there. And the child looks at it like, and? You know, we run over there and we pick it up and we go, come on, play, let's play, come on, let's play. We sometimes try to do that with God. We give him our prayers. And we say, hey, God, I'm going to give you this prayer. And I I really need this answered. And I know, no matter what, no matter how noisy and chaotic life might be around us, I mean, literally chaotic around us, and we say that prayer in the back of our mind, when it's not answered two or three or four weeks or months or years down the road, we might go, I don't think God hurt me. So we pray it again. And then sometimes, okay, let's pray it again. All the while, I'm pretty sure God wants to put a piece of duct tape over our mouth and say, let me get to it in my time. Don't pick up the ball and say, come on, I'm listening. I'm paying attention. We have to wait for his answers. That's part of that obedience. When we have the obedience, God listens to us and the benefits will arrive. I shared this with, uh, I think it was Sherry earlier this week, uh, talking about us getting back to Oklahoma. You know, uh, Pastor Kerry had mentioned, I believe in Santa Claus, you know, yeah, we were dancing around at the Christmas Bazaar and and everything, and I said, you know, from about 1992 until 2013, a long time, we prayed, I prayed a lot, to get back to Oklahoma. It took that long for God to say, okay. And it was awesome. I mean, here we are now. It took those years to just be patient. And did I pray it often? Oh, I prayed it often. Please, Lord, I just want to get back to Oklahoma. A lot of our Texas friends say, why? 
Well, I came to your state to try to improve it. Now I'm just going back home, okay? Tried to do my job. I tried, okay? My point being that when we're obedient, benefits are there. But also earlier I mentioned when we sin, there's consequences. When we're disobedient, there's consequences. And sometimes those consequences don't show up right away. They might take a week, two, ten years down the road. But they will show up. And sometimes when those consequences show up, we tend to get a little angry and go, man, why does that have to come kick me in the tail? That happened so long ago. Lord, didn't you forgive me about that? But that's that time when he's saying, just keep being obedient. You learned something from that. You learned. There were consequences. I'm sorry it's coming up now. But continue to be obedient. Those benefits, those benefits are going to way outweigh those consequences. I think of Romans 8, 18, my favorite verse. This has just popped into my head, so it's not even in my notes. Romans 8, 18, it says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that God will reveal to us. And sometimes when those consequences show up, we have to say that. What I'm going through right now is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when Christ returns. I cannot imagine that day when the sky's open and he's holding out his hands and he's saying, come on, it's time. You have been obedient and it's time for you to reap those benefits. But as disciples, we also need to disciple to those who are facing consequences. Keep praying. Lift up those individuals. You don't have to you don't have to cry out and say, God, are you hearing this prayer? He does. But don't forget about them. Don't give up on them. Have courage like Elijah. Have courage. He didn't know what he was facing those three and a half years. You know, God, are you really going to provide for me? You've said there's no rain or no dew. And now you're sending me out. And how am I going to eat? God provided. My birds, of all things, ravens. The nasty crackle birds we see at Walmart trying to eat everybody's leftover food they dump out of the car. But he, he used even the ravens. Elijah was obedient. Man, he he saw the benefits. Hey, God, I need some fire. You know, God got his own Zippo and said, there you go. It's done. Can you imagine? Here's a funny thought. I'm sorry. Can you imagine the other 400 prophets going, wow, he's good. And Elijah just probably says, that's right, my God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Yes. Elijah was faithful. He trusted God for all of his needs, for all of the benefits that he got up when that fire showed up. And that's what we have to do. Now, that is all from the Old Testament. 
And you know what? In James and in Luke, God at length ordered Elijah to present himself to Ahab because the time had now come when he would send rain upon the earth, or rather rain upon the land. Above two years he had lain hid with the widow, and after he'd been concealed by one year by the brook, and a third year of his, you know, it's all spoken about. The fourth year was famine. Things were, you know, dried up, gone away, which lasted all of three years and six months. That's found in Luke and in James. God is still reminding us in God's word, bringing it past when Christ was born. And here he is. Hey, remember your obedience still runs true. Old Testament was obedient to God. Now you've got to be obedient to Christ. Do as he tells you. As he has taught us upon this earth over years and years and years. When you're obedient, benefits, blessings. Sinful consequences. Have courage to seek out those benefits. I want you to just be thinking over our next few moments. If you're facing a battle in life, you know, do you have the courage to stand up and say, hey, God, I know you've got this, and I need to step away from trying so hard to, to have you answer it. My time? You know, we all need watches that say God's time, not Timex or Apple. It's God's time. He'll answer We'll get some benefits. We'll get some blessings. Father God, we know that um, just like Elijah, being obedient and knowing that you were God and, and God alone is mighty. Lord, we thank you for the word that was recorded of Elijah's obedience so that we can truly understand that even in today's time, thousands of years later, when we are obedient, there are benefits. But help us to also remember when we're not obedient, there's going to be some consequences. But when we face those consequences, Lord, help us to remember one thing, that you are shaping us, you are molding us. And sometimes that's painful. But we learn something from it. And we remember Hey, I remember I was disobedient. I've got this consequence, but Lord, I'm going to keep trying harder. And I'm going to be obedient so that my benefits outweigh my consequences. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who were sitting here before me and have listened. Lord, I, I just I pray for each and every one of them that if they're facing a battle right now, help them to have that that continued obedience to trust you to win that battle. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time of the year to help us to remember that you sent your son. You sent your son to us so that we can have joy, hope, peace, and love. When we're obedient, to his teachings, Lord, which come from you. 
and when we give our life to him, our obedience has the benefits of eternal life with you. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed our teaching today, we have great news. On January 7th, the JAR will be adding a second gathering. Starting with the new year, we will offer two times on Sunday, the new one at 10.30 a.m. and our current one at 4 p.m. Come learn how to be a disciple maker as God fills us so that we can empty for others. I am filled to be empty.